Hello, and welcome to the Yarniacs podcast. This is episode number 249, which we're recording on Wednesday, July 14th, 2021. I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And oh my gosh, it's almost mid-July already. I say that almost every time we record, it seems <laughs> like it's like a, a date check for me. Oh my gosh, it's already yeah. whatever the date well, is. It's a good indicator of the passage of time since we record every two weeks. There is a, a big jump. So Yeah, so it's not all in my head, is what you're no. saying. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you wearing? I have been wearing this week my Look Squirrel sweater, which is a very light sweater designed by Casapinka. I knit mine in Western Sky Knits Merino 17 Light. It's a fingering weight yarn and sweater. And the Look squirrel pattern is an open front cardigan with a lacy yoke. It's got a little bit of open work stitches in there. And the yoke part with the lace is actually pretty short, maybe two to three inches at the very top of the yoke. And then divide for the sleeves and stockinette straight down the body for, of course, a as long as you want it to be. I changed mine up a little bit because the pattern is written for a DK white yarn and I figured out which size I should make and then followed the numbers for that size but stayed with the lengths for my proper size. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I've been doing that a lot lately. Yeah, yeah I have to been use too. fingering instead of the called for yarn weight. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, it worked out really good. I wear this sweater a lot. It's open front, but I do close it with a shawl pin at the top, the way that it is shown on the pattern page on Ravelry. And I like wearing it like that, so it's almost like a three-button sweater. <laughs> Same look. <laughs> yes. I had even thought, because of the lace work in the yoke, if I really wanted to, I could sew buttons or button on one side and use one of the holes in the lace work to oh, secure the button. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's completely doable. I looked at that once and considered it, but I'm actually having fun having an opportunity to use some of those shawl pins that I bought years and years ago and kind of stopped using. It's like when you first get a shawl pin, you wear it a lot and it's very exciting and it looks pretty and then the years go by and you forget about them and they sit in the drawer. <laughs> I'm nodding because I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So this kind of gave me the opportunity to use them and I am enjoying that as well. Yay. So that is Look Squirrel by Casapinka. What are you wearing, Gail? I'm actually wearing a hand knit at the moment. You are. Yeah, surprisingly. We've had a little bit of a cool down in weather, which makes it easier to wear the hand knits. And the dog was asleep when I got out of the shower, so <laughs> that made it even easier. So I'm wearing my Salasta, which is a pattern by Kindred Red. It's from the Pom Pom magazine, I believe it was last spring that had Hohe's Sisurus on the cover. And this is a top-down pullover sweater that is knit all with mohair silk lace 
weight yarn and it has little bits of yarn that are knit into the sweater. So basically you're knitting a long circular yoke top down and every once in a while you grab a little tiny yarn end and knit that with your lace mohair and then drop it, knit some more, then add another little bit. And it's just really a cute, cool effect. It's really different from any other it sweater really I've ever is. had. Really is just these little short, I wouldn't even call them stripes, but I guess if I were trying to describe it to somebody, it's almost stripey, but they're not full length of the sweater stripes. They're really little dashes. Exactly. Little, <laughs> yeah, little dashes. They go anywhere from yeah. maybe two inches to three or four inches. Yeah, and very cute. All sorts of Multi- different colors. All different colors, yeah. yeah. So the idea of the sweater Kindred Red, she is also a yarn dyer, and she had a lot of little ends. We all have a lot of little ends, mm-hmm. right, from every mm-hmm. project. She kept hers and then wanted to use them, and this is how she used them. Much like Hedgehog Fiber's tweed yarn that they have now, they did the same thing. They wanted to find a way to use all their yarn ends, so they used them to make tweed yarns. So it's a pretty cool idea to <laughs> maximize every last little bit of yarn. <laughs> Definitely. I was thinking today, oh, maybe I'll make another one and start saving all my little bits. And I thought, oh my gosh, where would I put them, you know? In a jar. You just save a jar. Another jar full of yarn bits. Yep. (laughs) But this sweater is really comfy because it's all mohair silk lace. It's just light as a feather. It's so just gossamer thin. It's amazing. And it has the gigantic sleeves. Yes. The sleeves you actually increase after your elbow and you add more of the little yarn end blips and then you pull it all in tight for the little cuff. So you have these very voluminous sleeves at the bottom of your arm, which Charlene and I were talking about. It's very pretty, but not very practical. So this would not be a housework <laughs> sweater in any no. by any means. No. But it's a really nice sweater. It was a fun knit. And I think I'll knit one again someday when I have the right color silk mohair available mm-hmm. and I've stocked up on my ends again. <laughs> so that's Salasta by Kindred Red. Okay. What have you been stocking? So I started out stocking one designer and then continued to stock more things by the (laughs) same designer. (laughs) Yes, basically that, the rabbit hole effect. So I have been stocking Susan Ashcroft, who is the designer of two shawls that I have knit, and I think maybe you knit them both as well, the TGV, which is the high-speed knitting shawl, yep. and then the Hogwarts Express. Did you knit both I think of those? I did that one too, I think. I thought you did too. I think you gave it away. I probably did, as like most of my shawls. <laughs> but I love to knit them, as we know. I just don't wear yes, them very often. Exactly. So Susan Ashcroft is known as Stitch Nerd on Ravelry, and she is from Brussels, Belgium. And she's really active on Ravelry, too. She has a she participates in a lot of discussions and help with her patterns, which I thought was very nice. The one that first caught my eye this week is a shawl pattern called Japanese landscape. And the reason it caught my eye is because the photographs on the pattern page were so pretty. 
They look very spring or summery. There's lots of green. The shawl itself is knit in Noro Silk Garden Light, which is a yarn that has these long colors and long color patterns and a color changing yarn. That's what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say. And rather than having short bits of one color, they're long pieces of each color. I just pulled it up on my phone. That's pretty. And so the yarn that she knitted in is a colorway that has lots of different greens in it, some browns. It looks very botanical, very natural. And she photographed the shawl hanging in branches of trees. It looks like one of them is in a tree branch. Another one might be on some kind of structure, but it's a wooden structure and it's in front of a bunch of trees. So you see kind of filtered light from the sun coming through the tree, the leaves that are above. So it's kind of a greenish tint light and it's just beautiful. The photographs are so nice. Don't you think? It's gorgeous. It's really pretty. Yeah. It just caught my eye for the botanical beauty i guess and the way the shawl looks up against the leaves i really really liked that the shawl itself looks like i think it is what actually she calls it a scarf in the pattern so perhaps it's narrower than i think it is i was thinking that it was a rectangular shawl but i guess as a scarf it's it's narrower than i am picturing And it just looks like a series of different stitch patterns as you go up and around the shawl. There's some lace interest to it. I can see patterns with holes. It doesn't look too difficult, but with the color changes, it just has a nice flow to it. And she said that it was inspired by an upcoming trip to Japan. This was in 2019, when she, I guess when she designed it, but she just published the pattern. And it says the fabric is created by short rows and the unusual holes, both of which play nicely with Noro colors. So that is Japanese Landscape by Susan Ashcroft. And then I mentioned I was stalking other things that she had designed as well. And I found something really interesting. She has a collection called The Cushion Club. And I thought this was worth mentioning because we had talked about knitting a first sweater in our last episode. And I had mentioned that it is okay to have to practice for your first project. Or it is okay to practice before your first project. You don't need to have a perfect first project. Right. And apparently that hit a nerve for many listeners because we got many comments thanking us for saying something like that. And in effect, I suppose, releasing people from that tension of trying to create something or They also said they wish someone had said that to them back when they were making their first projects. So when I saw these cushions and the cushion and the cushion patterns themselves, I thought it was actually something that 
perhaps would be nice for a beginner project once you've mastered whatever skill it is that you want to master, perhaps stockinette stitch or if you wanted to try lace because the patterns are varying degrees of difficulty and the cushions are something really that you can use any stitch pattern for. So if you wanted to practice a knit pearl, knit pearl pattern, for example, you could work that into a cushion or you could find something like this that's already written. Yeah, these like are a... pretty too. They yeah, they brioche. are. And it's like the idea of knitting a dishcloth, only a little bit bigger. Yes, exactly. So I thought it was very cool. Like I said, varying degrees of difficulty. There are some, like there's one that's called side to side that looks like it's just a knit pearl pattern. There's one that is a lace pattern. There's one that's knit on the bias, which it, I think... I can't exactly tell for sure from the photographs, but it looks like it might just be garter stitch. So it might be, like you mentioned, the dishcloth. It might be something that you knit from corner to corner, like one of those garter stitch dishcloths. So if you have sewing skills, it might be something that you could also back with fabric. If you don't have sewing skills, you can always hand sew and knit both sides of a pillow or cushion. So just another option. And I thought it was interesting. It looks like her cushion club is available as a set. You buy the whole, you buy the whole set of patterns. And I think she's releasing one a month. It says there will be at least 12 by the end of the year. Cool. And she's a very prolific designer. She has yeah, so I think many she patterns. <laughs> yeah. She really is. That's why I kind of fell down that rabbit hole. That you could you get stuck down just... there for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that is The Cushion Club by Susan Ashcroft. What have you been stocking, Gail? Well, I have one sweater that keeps resurfacing in my stocking, ah. and it's back. It's the Comfort Fade Cardigan, or Cardi, by Andrea Mowry. And I've loved this for a long time. I'm sure I've stocked it on the podcast probably more than once. And it's back because Amber just finished hers and she posted pictures and it's beautiful. She did maybe the same colors as the actual pattern picture, which are grays and turquoise. And it's just so, so, so pretty. And I have some fingering weight yarn that would work perfectly as a fade. The only problem like you said about your look squirrel, is that this pattern is written for DK weight and mm -hmm. I have fingering weight. So I was looking through the projects today, wondering how many people have knitted in fingering and or fingering weight held doubled, which gives approximately a DK weight. And so I'm pondering whether I should knit it as a fingering weight or to hold my yarn doubled. I think I have enough to do it either way. But as I was looking through the finished projects, I decided to search or filter by projects knit by friends, which if you're in the finished objects or projects for a pattern, you can on search Ravelry. on Ravelry, sorry, you can search. There's a drop down menu that lets you select items knit by your friends. 
And when I did that, I found one that was knit by our friend Maureen, who is expat too, I think, on mm. Ravelry. And so I asked her how hers went. And our friend Sarah Maddox, who's, she knit hers in Coast Held Doubled, which I thought was oh, very wow. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So the only reason I keep hesitating on this sweater is that it's a raglan top down, fairly big cardigan, meaning by big, I mean, it's a lot of yarn, which means it's going to be fairly heavy, has a beautiful shawl collar. It fades, four colors are planned in the pattern. So it fades from dark to light going down. And then the fade goes from light to dark on the collar, I believe. It's really pretty, but raglan shaping on a cardigan like that concerns me because I'm worried it would slide right off my shoulders. Mm. So I pinged Maureen and Sarah and I asked them how theirs fits them. And I haven't heard back because that was just a couple of hours ago. But <laughs> the value of Ravelry searches and looking at other people's finished projects that let you do things like that. Yeah. Because I'm not shy. I'm not shy about asking people on Ravelry, even if I don't know them. (laughs) So I don't want to invest all the time and effort into knitting a beautiful sweater that's going to slide off my shoulders because that's incredibly frustrating to me. So jury's out on whether or not I'll knit it, but I really, really would like to. It's a really, really pretty sweater. And I think it's from 2017. So that means I've been stocking it pretty steadily for about yeah, four years, which means... I remember you talking about that one when it first came out. Yeah. So if it's still on my radar after four years, that tells me that it's probably a sweater I'd get a lot of wear out of. So again, that's the Comfort Fade Cardi by Andrea Mowry. The second one I'm stocking is, again, thanks to Charlene. I, now that we can see each other in person and I see <laughs> the sweaters that she's wearing and that she's knitting, I want to copy everything she does. She was wearing her heartfelt sweater by Vera Valimaki recently, which is an open front fingering weight cardigan. And it has a beautiful lace detail that goes down the center back and on the collars. I guess you would call them the collar, but it's also the fronts of the sweater, right? Yeah, it kind of folds, it kind of curls naturally just a little bit because it doesn't have fastenings. Is it knit on after, do you remember? Or it's it's from 2006, so you might not, or 2016, so you might not remember. I think it is, but yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless of how it's actually constructed, it's just an adorable little sweater that would be perfect for our climate most of it the is. year. It is. I love it. It's really pretty. And of course, Charlie knit hers in Madeline Tosh's Coquette colorway, which is one of my favorites. <laughs> so that also helped me be attracted to it. I was looking through the finished projects of that one. And a lot of people knit it in other colors, like blues and things like that. Yeah. And I kept thinking in my head, no, it has to be pink. Why would you knit that <laughs> sweater in anything other than pink? Which of course is ridiculous, but that's where my head went because I like yours, which is coquette. So that's Heartfelt by Vera Valimaki. And the last thing I'm stocking is an adorable <laughs> little tiny pageant project called teacup unicorn. So with a name like that, how could I not love it, right? It was another one of those rabbit holes where I was looking at a designer's work. It's Senia Nation. She is the designer of the Star Flower Shawl, which I stocked recently and oh, I've okay. since purchased a pattern. That. Yeah. I've purchased a pattern, I've picked out yarn, I just haven't cast on yet. 
and I was looking through her patterns and oh my gosh, there's this little teeny tiny adorable <laughs> unicorn. I have to look at this. And it is knit with either DK worsted or fingering held doubled. So lots of different options there. It's very tiny. It's only four by four and it's only about an inch wide. It only has two legs instead of four. And you knit each side flat and then seam them together. And then the ears and horn are knit separate and seamed on. Mm -hmm. The tail and mane are done with a crochet hook. You just loop little oh, yeah. bits of yarn just through pull there. it through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, really cute, you guys. It's adorable. <laughs> so that is the Teacup Unicorn by Xenia Nation, which is incredibly impractical, but darn is it cute. And since it's only two legs, it obviously wouldn't stand up by itself. So I would knit that as a toy for either Olivia yeah. and or Wesley and or Alex. I mean, all three of them would like one. So we'll see. I don't know if I'd actually knit one or not, but darn, is it cute. You could make a whole family of them. I don't see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> I could, but I don't think that'll ever happen. Well, you do a production line. You make two left bodies, two right bodies, three horns. You know, you, yeah. you do all the same part so that you have all the pieces ready. I would do that if I had someone who would seam it for me. <laughs> Josie actually likes mattress stitch seaming. She likes the oh. seam. When she made her hair scrunchies, mm -hmm. she really liked the mattress stitch seaming part of it. She thinks it's just amazing. But I don't know if I could talk her into doing a bunch of unicorns. <laughs> I'd have to see. <laughs> so that's what I've been stocking. What have you been knitting lately, Charlene? Well... I still have my two background projects. Leaf Bird is still waiting. I'm so sad to have to say that for <laughs> another week. Don't be sad. You don't have to finish it in a rush. I would like to finish it. it. Yeah, but it's almost there. And then my blanket, I've knit a bit on that in the past couple of weeks. And I have realized that I am on the last skein of yarn. Wow. Yeah. You're almost done. Yeah. It's just been one of those things that I pick up when I don't want to knit my sweaters where, you know, maybe where they're at in the pattern, I have to think too much. And so I need something easy on the side to knit. So I've been picking that up. But I have fewer projects on the needles right now than I usually do. So the blanket has gotten a little more attention than I thought it would. And I was really surprised to figure out that I was on the last skein of yarn. I even laid the blanket out with the backside up, and I was counting my ends ah. to really see if I had used all the skeins. Because for a little while, I was convinced that I was missing a skein, because there was no possible way I could already be on the last skein of yarn. Because once you hit the last skein of yarn, that's about the time that I start knitting the garter border. So I had to I had to be correct. I couldn't just keep knitting and then, well, if I find another skein of yarn, I'll continue. I had to know for sure that was the last one. And it was. So wow. I, yeah. So I'm on the garter stitch border. It's it's a big border. The blanket is not that large measurement wise, but it does have a three inch border. So there's, it. I think three inches in this 
yarn. It's a it's a worsted white yarn, so that's gonna take almost that entire skein, I think. Garter stitch Garter is a stitch. yarn eater. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that is on the porch blanket. And the sweater I have been working on is my All Read sweater by Meiju KP. This one is an open front cardigan with a really beautifully designed, it's a pleat feature in the back on the very bottom of the sweater. And the pleat is really interesting because you increase at the very top of the pleat a lot and it doesn't really look like a pleat until you get lower down on the sweater and you add some short rows on the side of it and that somehow makes this panel of lace on the middle back of the sweater drape wider because the fronts of the sweater, I guess, are kind of pulling it out. And it really looks like a pleat without any increases in the lace. It's it's interesting. It's, it's a so visual. beautiful, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's so it beautiful. Really is. I saw it in real yeah. life the other day, and it's gorgeous. Yeah, I'm really happy with the way this one is turning out. And I'm enjoying working on it a lot. Currently knitting the second sleeve. And after the second sleeve... I'll see how much yarn I have left, figure out if I have enough to add any more to the length because the sweater is quite long. I don't know. It's not quite tunic length, but the pattern page shows the sweater definitely going like below your butt. So it's almost a tunic length, I guess. I would Tunic length would be a little bit longer than that. But I have to see how much yarn I have left because there is also a little bit of an edging. And I think there's a little bit of an edging that goes on on the fronts of the sweater as well. So that is All Read by Meiju KP. What are you knitting, Gail? Well, I'm about to start the second to last strip on Max's blanket, which is my cozy memories blanket that I'm knitting with sock yarn bits. So it's a mitered square blanket and I'm bordering each of the miter squares with a dark gray and it's really pretty. It makes me incredibly happy and when I asked Max what kind of blanket he wanted he said that he would love this blanket. So I've been working on it for many years. If you're a listener you've heard me talk about it for I don't know five or six years. And I'm going to get it done by the middle of August because that's when he goes back to college. So that means I have 30 squares to do in about 30 days. So that's going to be my main knitting project for the next month or so. But I wanted to do a shout out to five awesome people, Mary, Catherine, Betsy, Amanda, and Samantha. They're all listeners. And some of them are regulars in our Zoom meetings. And they all sent me bits of their leftovers in bright, bright colored sock yarn. And I'm so grateful because I got leftovers from Charlene and some other local knitting friends that were more neutral. And Max and I were trying to to do the second to last stripe on the blanket. And we were like, it needs some brighter colors. And I'd already used all my bright leftovers. 
So I put out a little call on Ravelry and they each sent me some bits and I ordered a couple of mini skeins of Bright Bright Colors too. And we've got all the colors picked out for the second to last strip and I'm ready to cast that on tonight. So I'm super awesome. excited about that. The idea of getting that project done, it's been in my the top of my projects on Ravelry as a work in progress for so many years. It's going to be weird <laughs> not to see it there. Yeah. It'll be weird. So looking forward to getting that one done. And I'm also going to be picking back up my Hoodie Shawl Cardi by Suzanne Summers, which I was working on for a long time. It went on the back burner for a little while, and it probably won't get much love while I finish the blanket. But I'm looking forward to picking that project back up, too. So those are my knitting projects. We would like to thank our sponsor for the month, Lolo Body Care. While rolling across the country, with her life packed in the truck following closely behind, Kismet Andrews, founder and formulator of Lolo Body Care, had many hours to contemplate ways to incorporate sustainability into travel. As a company, they treat their products with the same mindset as Pete Seeger, the folk singer and social activist who said, if it can't be reduced, reused, repaired, rebuilt, refurbished, refinished, resold, recycled, or composted, then it should be restricted, designed, or removed from production. Besides purchasing sustainable products, where did she arrive after those hours of contemplation? One, purposely prepare. No matter your mode of transportation, pack snacks from home in reusable containers, and fill up reusable water bottles to minimize the vast amount of trash along the highway. Plus, this way, you can choose snacks that sustain your body and the earth. Two, support local economy. As tempting as another hamburger at a quick drive through chain may be, support local culture while traveling. Stop at family-owned restaurants to try local cuisine and minimize waste. Purchase souvenirs from small town business owners who love to connect with anyone who enters their shop. Three, choose eco-friendly accommodations. Research hotels and bed and breakfasts in the area you're traveling to. Minimize waste as much as possible by hanging up towels and leaving the do not disturb sign on the door. This allows for less frequent, unnecessary room cleaning. Also bring your own toiletries, preferably travel size Lolo body care products. While she prefers smaller funky hotels that practice sustainability, it's not always possible to snag a room. So Google five hotel chains that offer sustainable stays. Thanks Kismet. And one, one of the points that she made in here really irks me. The amount of trash on our roads and highways. It's just so mind-boggling. I've seen people throw trash out their windows, and I still just don't understand. I don't understand that either, and I have seen it as well. And mind-boggling is exactly the phrase I would use to describe it. Yep, and it's almost always the, the trash and plastic nonsense, you know, that we shouldn't yeah. have anymore anyway. So anyway, yeah. thank you, Lolo Bonker. <laughs> and everybody try to pack their own trash. Yes, I have an unplanned road trip looks like coming up and I am going to be taking full advantage of those tips. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> and my travel Lolo bar. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get some more of those. All right. So what have you finished? I haven't really finished anything. I've been making I I was making some crochet swatches because I was practicing a stitch to make an edging on a sweater. I have 
that one sweater, the beekeeper cardigan, that I've just never been happy with the edging on. And my thought is that I was going to take out the ribbing and try a crochet edging. And I had a stitch pattern that I was going to try, so I have been making little swatches of that. And I ended up wearing one as a headband before I got my hair cut. So (laughs) that's kind of a project, a swatchy headband, I suppose. I did finally get my hair cut last week. So I'm happy I don't have to wear a headband just to keep myself from going crazy. I get it. I need her desperately. (laughs) So that is all I have done. Have you finished anything? I have. I finished my first Colors of Fall Knit Along project. I finished my Live Light last night and I love it. I love it. So this is a pattern by Carrie Bastikage that Charlene knit recently and I copied her because it's so darn cute. And I knit mine in Western Sky Knits, Merino 17 Light, which is her fingering that is soft as butter. And it's also the yarn that Charlene mentioned in her, What Have I Been Wearing? It's what you use mm-hmm. for Look Squirrel, right? Because it's yes, so it soft. And I used the color Patina, which is a very unusual colorway for me. And I'm very happy with the choice to do something outside of my normal comfort zone on colors. Hopefully I will wear it because it's gorgeous and it's just a beautiful top-down raglan that has a very wide border of garter stitch on both the hems and cuffs and all the way around the collars and neckband. It goes all the way from the bottom right up back around your neck and to the bottom left. And I have nothing but glowing review for this except for... I am going to say there's one part of the pattern that was incredibly poorly written and confusing. And Mm. I thought it was just me until I went back and looked at other people's comments. I don't remember exactly right now where in the pattern it was, but there's one point where I think you're doing increases and stuff, and she doesn't make it clear that one of the last increases is only after you've knit a certain number of inches or a certain number of rows. So I kept trying to figure out, well, how do I do both of those at the same time? And I spent, I don't know, an hour trying to figure out why I was confused and what I was Mm. doing wrong. So there is a bit in the pattern that's a little bit confusing. So I remember someone asking you in one of the threads on Ravelry if you found the pattern confusing. And now I know what they were referring to. Yeah, yeah. So if you do attempt the pattern, if you have a question, let me know. But other than that, it's a very simple and comforting it. It was just nice to do a top-down raglan that didn't have anything fancy that was just knit and show off the beauty of a yarn kind of project. So Live Light by Carrie Bastikosh. Love it. Excellent. <laughs> and I finished one more thing. I knit another Musselboro hat pattern by Yasolda Teague. So this is my second. And I had a ton of fun with the second one. So I wanted to use up a bunch of scraps. So I picked out a bunch of scraps that would kind of go in a somewhat of a gradient. So the pattern has you start with a tiny little cast on and do increases at one end, knit a tube, and then do decreases at the other end. So you have this long pointy on both ends tube, and then you shove one end into the other to have a hat. Well, I don't like that type of cast on. So instead I start kind of in the middle with the provisional cast on 
knit all the way to one end, do my decreases, pick up my provisional cast on, knit all the way to the other end and do decreases. And I get the same end result. Well, what I did is I went on one half of the hat, I did dark colors. And on the other half of the hat, I did a lighter colors. So depending on your mood, you can have the darker side out, or you can flip it over and have the lighter side out. And it's striped with different scraps, either DK weight scraps or fingering held doubled. And I mix plied with single ply. And it's really cute. And it's nice and big. So it will fit either someone who has a lot of hair and or someone who has a big head. And it just turned out really cool. I was really, really happy with the end result and used up. Awesome. I think I used up like eight yarn bits that I had in my stash boxes. (laughs) So that's such a good feeling too. It's like right on. I used up all these scraps. So I can't wait to cast on my next one when I have time. I really like this pattern. So Musselberg. No, I did it again. Musselbura by Ysolde T. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I finished. For a feature this episode, we decided to go with something we've done before in the past and do knitting in the news because Charlene and I each had some little cool bits of things that we'd heard that were knitting related in the news that didn't really fit into any of our other segments of the podcast. So we thought, why not just you know, hoard them all till the end of an episode and do them all. So what were some that you heard, Jolene? Okay, so the first one, this one is really fun. It is Anne Eunston Designs. She is from the Shetland Islands of Scotland. And she knit a lace fence. (laughs) Yes, a lace (laughs) fence. So bizarre and cool. Now, I first saw this on a non-Ravelry news website about how interesting it was that this woman had knit herself a fence. And then I looked a little further and I found her on Ravelry. Cool. She has, yes, she has a project page called Anne's, well, actually it's a pattern page. She has the pattern for the fence. It's called Anne's lace fence and what she has done is she has knit on very large needles larger the largest knitting needles I have seen I think are size 50 these look like arms these look like she's there's a picture in the news article that I saw of her holding them and she has her whole hand around the knitting needles. So these are big. And she has knit in what she calls durable twine using large diameter needles. And then the fence must be securely attached to strong metal or wooden framework. So this was published back in October of 2019. And She's got a photograph of the fence that I'm not sure if the first one she knit was at her house in her yard. And then I did find a story. I don't think I wrote the information down, but I saw a story about, I think it was a textile museum, had her make one for their location as well. Cool. Yeah. 
Very, very cool. I did notice that the photograph was taken by Kate Davies as well, and we have stocked some of her patterns. Oh, yeah. I love also. Kate Davies. Yeah. She's yeah. a great designer. So that was my first one, Anne's Lace Fence. <laughs> so my first one actually comes from England. It's from Norfolk in England, and it's a 92-year-old woman during the COVID lockdown. Her name is Margaret Seaman. She knit an homage to the Queen's Estates of Sandringham House and other buildings. Oh. It's an 18-foot by 6-foot recreation of the Queen's Estate, and it is amazing. Wow. It looks like brick buildings and all of the topiaries and plants and trees are knit. Every little detail is knit. There are people, there are so many details. It is incredible. There's the main giant house in the center is gray. It almost looks like it's a church. And she has this tower in the background. It's it's amazing. It's stunning. She said that she worked on it 10 to 12 hours a day during lockdown. So imagine the hours that went into this creation. And it's the detail in it is truly incredible. I can't even describe how amazing it is. Hopefully all of you will go take a look at it because the first of all, the idea to do it to me is amazing. Second of all, the time she put into it. And third, the just the amount of love and care she took to make it look the way it does. Yeah. I've never seen anything knit that looks quite like this. It's like a little replica, almost like an architectural model, but knit it's quite incredible Very cool. so Very yes that cool. was from the bbc news june of 2021 so of course we'll put a link to this and hopefully you'll go check it out this woman <laughs> this woman i want to grow up to be a knitter like her i don't know if i necessarily want to grow up to make things like that but i'd love to be that accomplished of a knitter <laughs> and then the second one i have is a knitter esther andrews knit her wedding dress and this came up in social media and so it was posted i guess she made her own little video with information about her knit about her dress and how she knit it and posted it on tiktok and youtube and from there that's how it got into the news circuit and that's how that that was where i became aware of it so Esther Andrews knit her wedding dress over a period of nine months while commuting to work on the subway. She used four miles of mohair lace, wow. which yeah, which translates to seven thousand forty yards or sixty four thirty seven meters. Wow, so quite a lot of yarn. I'm not sure. I should have done the math to figure out how many skeins of Kitsil K's that would be. I don't know, but <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah, but a lot of yarn, and the dress is also decorated with small red tomatoes that she added on afterwards. And there was a little photograph of the tomatoes before she added them onto the wedding dress, and the tomatoes were also knit in mohair Aww. and then probably stitched on afterwards so the theme of the wedding 
had something to do with Spaceman meeting a tomato. And so the groom was dressed in a spacesuit that looked like Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> very, very yeah. creative wedding. So it, it was. So it, yeah, I'm not, I can't remember exactly what the theme was, but it was something like Spaceman meets, meets the, the tomatoes. So the, hence the tomatoes all over the wedding dress. So you can look for this on either TikTok or YouTube, and we'll put links to all these on the show notes as well. Very cool. Yeah. And then you have one more for us? I do. So this, I originally saw it from Clara Parks's new newsletter. She was formerly doing a newsletter called The Knitter's Review, and she has started a new newsletter which I subscribe to. And she sent this amazing video of sheep herding. It's an aerial view of sheep herding. And it looks like flowing water almost, or kind of like a school of fish would look, a giant school <laughs> of fish would look in the ocean. It's incredible. These You see the sheep moving from one field to another. You see them moving down a country lane. You see them moving towards their food. And it's beautiful. It's amazing. And it's only a minute and 41 seconds, I think. Very short. And after I saw it on Clara Parks's newsletter, I also subscribed to a daily newsletter that is like a highlight of news around the world. And at the bottom of this particular newsletter, they have things like Audubon photography, winners and just all these really really beautiful visual things and they mm -hmm. had the video in there of oh, the sheep herding cool. and i thought wow it goes from clara parks to kind of national level media news yeah. it was pretty cool <laughs> and the man who recorded it is lior patel and i just recommend him checking it out especially since it's so short yeah, it's it not like a 14 minute video watch. It's just a little clip and it's really beautiful. So check it out. Sheep are I cool. Watched, yeah, I watched it on my phone and I want to watch it on the computer so that I can make it bigger so that I can see because I was curious if there were herd dogs. There are. Yeah, and so when I watch it on the phone, I can't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. Everything is just, you know, the patterns moving, and I can't tell one thing from another. So I do want to look at it and see if I can tell, see which ones are the dogs and which ones are the sheep and when there are people there. And <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because sometimes they even use cars to oh. herd them, depending on the scene. Yeah, And yeah. they also have some where... They're herding them into a field and you see all the little sheep like go out to the edges where the trees are because they're munching <laughs> on the trees before they get sucked back into the herd. And it's really entertaining. It's cute. Yeah, it really is. And then we also wanted to mention a knit along that Laura Laney on our Ravelry group told us about. It's called Hats for Sailors and they have their own Ravelry group as well, but they got a specific request. Apparently not long ago. They knit a hat for every sailor on a particular U.S. ship, and they got a request from the captain of the same ship. He has a friend who's the captain of another ship, and when this captain heard about it, he heard what a great morale boost it was for the soldiers who were on the ship for a very long time, and he said, hey, can we get some hats too? 
Well, the interesting thing is that the ship is called the USS Carl Vinson. It's a super carrier and it has over 6,000 sailors. Oh, and (laughs) this knitting group said, uh, well, uh, I don't, we probably can't do 6,000 hats by November. And their policy is usually not to take on a ship if they can't give a hat to every single person on board. But they didn't want to disappoint because it was a personal request. So they've put out the call for anyone who wants to help. They're requesting worsted weight hats knit with super wash wool. So they have to be able to tolerate if they get mixed up in the regular ship's laundry so that they won't get felted. So yes, <laughs> basically any worsted weight hat, if it's knit in superwash, qualifies. And there will be a link in the show notes to that group as well. They're collecting them, I think, through November or maybe beginning or mid-November. I'm not sure. But I know some of my hats that I've knit recently qualify. So I'm going to send some along. And I was taking notes on hats, hat patterns that would be pretty easy to do for this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to mention a few, but I'm also going to start a bundle in our Ravelry group. Oh, good. Because these would be good for any charity purpose because yeah. worsted weight hats are pretty quick to knit relatively speaking, Mm -hmm. and they make great charity projects. So the first one I thought of was the Bankhead hat by Susan Gourlay, which is a very simple hat, and it's an awesome finished hat project. Yeah, it is. That's a good one. A lot of us have knit that already. The Muscleborough, which I've knit twice now, that's not a free pattern. Most of the patterns I'm about to mention are free. Muscleborough isn't free, but it's also a great hat, and because it's knit as a tube, it's double thick. So, therefore, it would meet the criteria. Any hat from the Year of Hats done by Kelborn Woolens. I've knit several of those. Any, They're all knit with worsted weight. The Ali hat by Susan Ashcroft, who Charlene was stalking in the earlier part yes. of the episode. And the Angel hat by Kay Jones. Those are all any gender. They're all easy patterns. Most of them are free. They're all written for either worsted or Aaron weight. So they all make good charity projects. So Mm -hmm. I'll start a bundle and make it easy to find those. And everybody who knits hats, if you have a super easy worsted weight hat pattern to recommend, please do add it to the bundle. Bundles are something that anybody can add to. And that would be a great resource for people. So hats for sailors. Thank you, Laura, for bringing that to our attention. Excellent. You know, I was thinking if you cast on your hat with a provisional cast on, you can make any hat be one of those double, double thick hats. If you start at the cast on and then knit two hats basically from that one cast on, yep. you could do it that way. You're absolutely right. So that's right. an option if you want to do a double thick hat, which is probably very appreciated when you're in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. And you know, another thing you could also do, maybe not for this particular charity, but if you had a yarn that was more rustic, that wasn't as soft on your head, you could knit the same idea, do a provisional cast on, knit a regular hat with the not as soft yarn, and then pick up and knit a softer inside mm-hmm. on that hat so yeah. that the part of it that's on your skin is nice and yeah. soft. So, yeah. another thought. <laughs> yeah, lots of ways to mix that up. Exactly. 
And then the last thing we wanted to mention was the Colors of Fall Knit Along. If you are participating and would like to post photographs on social media, please use the hashtags COFKAL2021, that's Colors of Fall Knit Along 2021, or, and you can add COFKAL, so that would be hashtag COFKAL2021, hashtag COFKAL, and then you can also add hashtag Yarniax, hashtag Yarniax podcast, and then it will get added to that wonderful little list that if you tap on that hashtag on Instagram, you get to see all kinds of fun pictures from past knit-alongs and past things that listeners have been making. I love doing that too. I've been doing I that do too. the Bay Area Fiber <laughs> Fair that I joined. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I get to see all sorts of cool things. Yeah. And we already have people who have finished objects. Yeah. <laughs> Kath finished something. I'm suspecting it's her Earth Day sweater. She knit for her son. I'm hoping, 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 because I can't wait to see that. And even though I finished my Colors of Fall sweater, I haven't styled it. So I won't have a picture until I figure out what I'm going to wear it with and style it, because of course, yeah, that's what I we'd haven't. like you to do for the Colors of Fall. Yeah. I did see one styled photograph already nice. on Instagram. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. So hopefully you're all knitting along for the colors of fall. We have until mid-September or September 21st or something. There's a long time left to go. So feel free to cast on anytime. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. We hope you're all doing well and happy knitting. Happy knitting, everyone. Bye-bye. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Yarniax Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at Yarniax.com. We have a friendly and engaging Yarniax podcast Ravelry group. My Ravelry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gail's is Gaily Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac and at Gaily Whaley.